Welcome to Blue Rose Podcast. This is episode number 64. I'm Karen Barno, your host. In today's podcast, I interview Nas Echeverria, who is a business growth strategist, 18-year marketing expert, and a CEO of Next Level Up Consulting. She helps coaches, consultants, and service providers convert cold leads into paying clients in under seven days off without paid ads or spending hours online using her organic Easy Yes system. You can receive get access to her Easy Yes system mini course and learn how to use her organic client acquisition system by going to her website www.easyyesleads.com. And as a former client of hers, I am telling you guys she is genius. Her gift is amazing. She sees strategies and can take you from I had a million ideas, but I couldn't get them organized into a well-thought-out framework and using her easy-as-yes system. So welcome to my podcast, Nas. Thank you, Karen. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So what, what got you into business growth strategist? Because you are on the, I'm not going to say how old you are, but you are on the, you do trend young. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So technically what happened is I've been in marketing for 18 years. I've been a business growth strategist for 10. So I started in marketing actually right out of high school. When I turned uh, 17, I started um, and had gotten into marketing in corporations. And I always knew that I loved the psychology behind marketing. And I loved being able to understand what makes people really pay attention. So I started in marketing um, ten year, over 10 years ago. I left a um, big corporate career with a billion-dollar company um, and to start off my business on my own. And I had just had my first baby and I realized that I just wanted some freedoms in my life that I couldn't have had traveling the world with the, the position I had previously. Um, so I started that about 10 and a half years ago um, because I really wanted, one, I wanted the freedoms for myself and the lifestyle that I wanted to give to my family. But I also had this huge drive of wanting to be able to see the change that I could help and impact people so that they can create the life they wanted. And in corporate, you just don't see that in that same capacity. So it meant a lot to me to be able to support people who wanted to change and impact the world. So that's kind of how I got started in this. Um, and yeah, it's been, it's been an incredible journey so far. So you graduated high school at 17 and I, and I did too. Um, although I started very young, so that's okay. why but you graduated early and yep. you went from high school into corporate life. So I have been an overachiever since that I can remember. So I actually got my first job at 14. I lied on the application because we weren't actually allowed to get a job at that age. I lied on the application to work at a pizza place because I was super driven. And I always tell the story that like when I was younger, I wasn't like really great at school. And I went to a private school where everyone was like the best at the best at school. And I was always just like pushing myself really hard and couldn't do it. So I always joke that I was never really great at anything until I started to work. And I realized I was really good at hustling. I was really good at 
like working hard and learning things and figuring things out. So at 14, I got my first job. Um, at 16, I was actually working full time, um, cold calling uh, for MCI actually, um, back then. And I was making three, like $3,500 a month at 16 years old. So I had this just hustle mentality where I'd found myself really into that feeling of I could be really good at this. And this was something I excelled at. So I actually chose to graduate high school year early. I like pushed myself really hard to get everything done ahead of time. And as soon as I left, I started working um, in corporate, in some marketing. So I worked with small businesses and I worked with corporations in marketing just because I had always wanted to go into psychology. And I was like, that's a lot of school. And sound as exciting. So I was like, marketing sounds like something I would love to do. So um, I started working with some small businesses and then worked my way up to corporations. Um, and by the time I started college, at like 17 and a half, I was already working for a huge bank in their marketing as well. So did you graduate from college or did you decide to college? I did. No, I worked full-time. So I was super crazy, but super dedicated. I actually went to school full-time and worked full-time at the same time. Um, I would take evening classes. So I would literally work during the day and then on evenings and weekends, I'd work, um, or excuse me, on the evenings I'd go to school and on the weekends I'd work as well. So I was doing both. So I graduated at 21. I did all of that stuff. I, I wanted it all. And I, I wasn't willing to like sacrifice one for the other. So did you go to college because you were drawn to the education or because nope. it's just a box to check? Because it was a box you had to check, especially with my family. You had to, because I'm Persian and my family really believes in education. Like they came here um, as immigrants and it was a gift to them to be able to go to college in the first place, nonetheless, to be able to do that and like exceed. And they, they believed that that was what was the core to you being able to get a better career down the line. And so my family really weighed heavily on education, getting good grades, being the top of your class. And my brother was like, the perfect kid, right? He was the one who, who aced his ACTs without studying ever. And I was the kid who was like up all night trying to study. And I was getting C's and B's and like barely passing. Right. Like, so I went to college because it had to check a box. Like that was not an option. I had to go to college. So, and I, I joke with my husband all the time that that back then that was the case, right? We were told we have to go to college. There is no other road. You don't get to take a year off. You don't get to go work. Um, if you're given that gift of being able to go to college, you go. Mm -hmm. That is true. And I, and I think a lot of women go to college. I mean, I went to college and got a degree, but it, I, school was never my thing. I struggled in school. I graduated high school in the bottom 5% of my class. Oh, wow. I, mean, I was picked as most likely to fail. Oh, so wow. it, yeah. So it's fascinating when I talk to other women Cause you're kind of like the female Gary V. <laughs> That's like the best compliment ever. I love it. <laughs> because I mean, he realized he didn't like school, but he decided not to do the college debts, the college debt piece. You know, yeah. he went on. So it's fascinating that you didn't like school, but I guess because it was kind of, you know why, but, and then it's funny that you say that because I was smart enough that I went to college, worked at a bank that paid for my college and my books. So I didn't have to pay for it. I didn't have to go into debt to, for college because they would pay for it. So I knew that if I did that, it was paying for my education so that I could go through this process. I was working there full time and making good income. So it was like, why wouldn't I want to do that? I guess it like worked out. I hated education. I hated everything about it, but I, I also knew it was all about 
relationships and like, what am I going to, what kind of relationships am I going to build and how can that help me in my future? Yeah. You're a woman after my own heart. My parents wouldn't send me to college, obviously, because I was a, a low achiever. So I joined the military and got the GI bill. Oh my gosh. I and love then the that. GI bill paid for everything. I mean, obviously I'm older. The GI bill covered all my everything. tuition, all my books and gave me money every month. So, wow. Yeah, I didn't go so to smart. Yeah, because and I don't know. I mean, now when my daughter my daughter's going to went to school now, she's in paramedic school. But when she asked me, because my husband's a college guy, I'm like, you know, you just gotta follow your heart. Yeah. School's not the end all be all like it was when we were growing up and agree. Know, Absolutely. So as as a Persian, what is what is your I hope I pronounced that right? Yeah. I we were we were on a call together once and you were talking about how it's inherent. And I picked up on it because to me, it's, it's fun, but it's inherent for you to want to negotiate. Oh, yeah. And you say that women really shouldn't negotiate their rates. Mm-hmm. And so to me, it, it's like, explain. So most people don't realize this. So per, Iran is a, a third world country, right? And so they literally, they're in, country, where? it's a third world country. So it's a country. Iran is a third world country. So Persian, yeah. So Iran's a third world country. And what people don't realize is when we live in a system where money has a different value and, and people aren't getting salaries, they don't have like, you can't get a loan to purchase a car. You have to pay outright. So everything is negotiation. So I remember to this day, my parents, like I said, were first generation in the United States. And so they would negotiate on everything. And I remember like cringing because I was like, this is so embarrassing. Like they would go anywhere, but that was typical of their culture. Right. And as much as I was embarrassed by it, I realized as I grew up, it became ingrained in me. And that was what I would do. I would go to the flea market and I would, I would negotiate the heck out of what I was doing. And the things that seemed so uncomfortable back then, because it was out of the norm, made so much more sense because it was like, well, you get to determine the value of something. And so when we talk about raising your rates or negotiating what you're able to do, whether that's in a corporate career or in your own business, you get to determine the value, not everybody else around you. And so I realized that instead of thinking it as this cringeworthy thing, it's kind of empowering that we get to make that decision of here's the value I place on this. And here's the value I'm placing on myself and what I'm going to negotiate for myself. So I really will say it it's inherent and at the time felt so gross and like, oh my gosh, this is embarrassing. But as I grew into realizing the power that we had behind that, it really does shift the confidence in being able to say, I determine my worth. I determine the worth I have for the things that I'm purchasing and the things that I choose. And I get to determine that every single time. So I found that it was actually shifted into an empowering opportunity for myself and others as well. Yeah, I love negotiating. <laughs> I think it's fun. It brings me joy. So I love it. Now you you have your own business, a very successful business growth strategist, and your typical or your ideal client or your your client traditionally are women. So, um, funny enough for a really long time, I worked with men. Um, and right now I've been skewing towards women just cause I have the heart to like want to support more women and in stepping into their own voice and being able to charge high, high ticket value and, and get what they want. So, um, right now I work with mostly service providers. So I'll say like coaches, consultants, um, healers, people who just really want to make an impact on the world, um, and be able to bring change, even if that's one person at a time. What, what, is, what do you think the number one problem women in business struggle with? Confidence. 
In life. <laughs> in life, right? Because if you think about it, strategy, like I'm a strategist and that's my, like I, I eat, live and breathe strategy, but you could have the perfect strategy. And if you don't have the confidence to actually make that actionable and implement it, it doesn't matter. None of it matters. Right. So confidence to me is the most important thing. And what people don't realize is like, I was not the confident person my whole life. Like I was always the one who, if you said I had nice hair, I'd show you my split ends and say, no, no, look at this. Right. Like that's just how I grew up. That's how I was. And so I didn't have the confidence. And when I started my business, I didn't have the confidence either. It took me a really long time to step into that. And so being able to show other women where their magic is and how they can develop their own proprietary method that makes them feel that confidence. It's like a tool and a catalyst that lets them buy into themselves and therefore able to share it with other people in such a clear way. Yeah. And that is true. I I think women more than anybody, well, between men and women, I think women struggle the most with confidence. And I mean, as we've talked before, it's it's the programming. It's, you know, what we see and what we don't see. And we were talking off camera about, you know, a first female president. Yeah, well, that's going to take and you know, a lot of times it's programming and you know, who's going to vote for it, who's not. So it's, it's interesting to work with women and see how to boost their confidence. Yeah, when they do how to elevate them. Yeah. And it's interesting because I've worked in predominantly male uh businesses up until I started my own business. I worked in an engineering company for a really long time and it was, I was surrounded by men in financial industry, et cetera. And, you know, and I think that there's such a delicate balance between the programming that we have that you were like, we were discussing about the president, like the things that feel normal to us, right? Like it doesn't feel normal to see a CEO of a business be a female, right? It doesn't feel normal to us to see the president be female. And it's not necessarily that we choose that. It's just that we don't know, we can't even spot that we're doing it. And I think the same thing comes into when we run our own businesses, we don't realize that our confidence and our belief in what we're doing is literally what is the catalyst to us being able to sell that to someone else. Like I cannot sell something to someone if I can't confidently show up and share that. So it's such a difficult thing because you see so many women who are so talented in business and yet they don't share that with people. One, because they haven't discovered it for themselves. They're, they're kind of slapping it on there and selling things, but they don't actually believe in it. They haven't bought into that for themselves. And so it's just this really interesting thing to watch a man start a business and rock it, like literally go into business. And all of a sudden you're like, what happened? And it's that they bought into, they think they are the best thing on the face of the earth. Right. And, and, and not a negative thing. Like I literally remember watching my brother and my father and my husband who could do that. And I was like, wow, like, how is that possible? You just started. How do you really like, and they're just like, you got to understand what you're good at. And I think as women, we're just not taught that that's not like ingrained in us. We're taught to like, just kind of go by the wayside and people will see what you need them to see. And, and I just was not into that. I was like, no, you have got to learn what it is that you do and what's the magic in that and how you can share that message with other people. Yeah. And I agree. And I, I think, you know, a lot of times, I mean, there's, there's keywords because I, I did a confidence um, training this morning and I yeah. was talking about keywords. When I was growing up, I was told I was bossy. Mm-hmm. I, my favorite, you have a strong personality. Oh, yeah. You're cocky. You know, you're a diva and you would get told all this. So you end up playing small 
But yet, you know, you look over at your men friends and, you know, I was in the military, so I was surrounded by men. I was oh. a medic, so obviously as a medic, we had a lot of women as well. But I learned a lot from them because they would just be like, just do it. Don't worry about it. And I'd be like, well, you know, people are going to judge and people are going to like. Wow. So it was interesting how men, if you get a group of men together and you watch them, they will try to figure out who the quarterback is. Yeah. Who's the quarterback and then their roles. Whereas women, we're so relational. It's like, do you want to be in charge or do you want to be in charge? And we are our own worst enemies because then we'll sit there and say, well, isn't she a bitch? Yeah. And isn't that so, I love what you're saying about that because it's so true. Like I was told I was stubborn, too stubborn, too driven. Like those were bad words, right? Like you're too, like, just like you were saying, I was too, you were too bossy, too much of a diva. But for a man that's celebrated, right? We celebrate that about them and that they're strong and they're confident. And I think that you and I come from such similar, like you went to the military and I went into like an all male, like very male uh, oriented area. And it kind of helped me learn that like, okay, maybe there's not something wrong with adapting some of those pieces and realizing that that's okay to be confident in what we do and stand in that confidence. But I think that so many women are told for so long that like, that's not what we need to be. And I had this conversation recently with one of my private clients about competition and how competition has become a bad word in female businesses, because we are told that we do not compete. We rise together. And while I fully a hundred percent believe that, like we all should support each other in growth, competition is business. Like it's not personal. And I think that it's, it's one of those conversations where I was always interested in, I'm in a lot of like men selling groups. And when they talk about competition, they talk about, yes, you make competition irrelevant. Like you, all these conversations around it, like it's a normal thing. When I brought up the conversation around competition in a female group, the feedback was crazy. Like people were up in arms, like, no competition doesn't exist. We don't care about competition. And I was like, that's business. I'm not talking about like you personally competing and going out and like telling someone you're better than them. It's competition is literally a natural part of business. And I think if we, even in the confidence department, that really comes into play of like, we can be confident and compete against someone without pushing them down. We don't have to say, I'm better than you. I'm different than you is what I really like to say. But I, I always think it's interesting because it's, it's really the similar conversation in a different way that happens in business. Yeah, and then sometimes I think women are our own worst enemy. I mean, I, you know, you look at a Condoleezza Rice or a Michelle Obama, and, you know, I always hear people say, well, you know, they have an awful lot of testosterone. And I've been told that, well, you have a lot of testosterone, Karen. It's like, why? Because I can run with the big boys? I mean, uh-huh. I can be in a room full of, I, I, I golf. Yeah. So I golf with men. And I think probably the hardest part for women kind of get away from golf, but reality of it is you're, you're in a room full of guys. You're the only girl and you, you're with 10 guys. And it's time to go to the restroom. They go one place. And I mean, things have changed, but I can remember when I would have to go down two or three floors because yeah. a woman's room was down a couple of floors and go yeah. back up and it'd be awkward coming back up and you had to learn how to just mold yourself back into it. But I, I think totally it, agree. Yeah. But it serves you when you, when you're working with women, because women need to understand that, you just, you can't be mamby-pamby. Yeah. You know, you gotta I be- think that's a tough, it's a tough conversation, Karen. Like when you're saying this even right now, like that's a tough conversation, 
especially I think in the spiritual world where we constant, like I see so many people talking about the masculine and the feminine energy. And I feel like masculine energy is like demonized. It's like this horrible thing to like have the testosterone. You have too much testosterone. And I don't think there's negative or I think that both have their place, right? They both have their place in business and in life and all of that. And I think that we've gotten so one-sided that one has to be better than the other in every instance that it's difficult. And so confidence kind of falls on that masculine side, right? Like when we think of, of confidence, we think men, we think of those pushy bro tactics and men who puff their chest out and feel good about themselves. And so it's created this negative relationship around confidence, which is actually a beautiful and amazing and incredible feminine thing if we really look at it that way. And I think that I, I agree with you. I think that's the number one thing women wrestle with is confidence, yep. especially when you get on the social media, because you always have those people that want to unconfident you. <laughs> confidence down, right? When you're, when you go on the social media, are you able to, and I'm just kind of, I won't use any platform, but are you able to kind of scroll through and say, I could really help her with her messaging? Or I, I mean, is, are you able to hone that well in that you could just watch me for five minutes and think, oh, Lord. <laughs> I can. And it's it's scary for people because, so I always tell people, a strategist and a coach are very different people. So as a strategist, I actually, like when I tell people I have 18 years of marketing experience, I say that because I have a skill. So it means in five minutes, I can have a conversation with someone and quickly tell you where the gaps and the opportunities are, whether that's scrolling through Facebook or a face-to-face conversation, I can see it. It's like, um, I joke with my husband, it's like having that beautiful mind where things start to pop up and I can like pull the pieces together and like put them all together. That's my gift, right? That's my talent of being able to do it. So yeah, you can absolutely scroll through social and be like, I can see where this is missing and and how we can make this land better and attract the right people. I absolutely can. Do I get to go and do that? No, because people aren't as open to that. I mean, I'm glad you hit on that because I think, I think women going the other way with women, I think women are much more intuitive or maybe we just uncovered our intuition because I'm the same way with people's blocks. I can talk to somebody for five minutes and I I could, I could help them remove their block and move forward because I can see that. So I'm so glad because I I would say to people and they're like, well, how do you see it? So it's so good to hear you say that you see the gaps in the messaging. And I think that we don't give ourselves credit and all the, all you that are out there listening, are you giving yourself credit? for your just what naturally happens. I mean, I can look at somebody and tell them, oh, you know, you need to get that looked at, you know, your energy of your shoulder, you need to kind of get your shoulder. Wow. And, you know, and I look at people and say, everybody has a gift, but we don't, it's, it comes so easy and because it, it sounds like what you do comes naturally to you. But isn't that funny though? Cause Karen, even when you and I were talking, it's like, it's a gift that comes so easily. We don't see it as a gift. I think that's the whole thing where I see it as being a problem is it's usually the thing that someone can do intuitively without thinking, without even questioning it. Like I used to think to myself when I'm looking at people's stuff and I would look at the whole, like I, you've seen the movie Beautiful Mind where it like pops up and he's got all these pieces. I thought that everyone looked at things that way. I thought that was a normal behavior until I had more and more conversations with people and they were like, wow, that's incredible. Same thing with you. Like you're sitting here and to you, originally you may not have thought that 
being able to look at someone and just know what was going on was a huge gift because you do it so naturally and so intuitively. So I think the reason so many people struggle with it is because they don't notice it. It goes unnoticed for them. It just feels like something they do that they don't actually work hard at. And so we focus on the thing that we work hard on thinking that that's what I really need to sell to people because if it was hard for me, then it must be hard for other people. We don't realize that the thing that came so easily to us is the thing we're actually gifted at and is so much easier for us to teach and support other people in. So really what you do is you help women not to change your messaging at all, but (laughs) not even trying to, your messaging is spot on. Um, And if you guys are listening to this podcast, there's a lesson to learn. And I hope you guys are all paying attention. It doesn't matter which path I'm taking her down. We're going to end up back in her business. And I hope you guys are watching that because it's fascinating for me to watch because it's like, okay, we're going to go this way. And I know we're going to end up exactly where we end up. And that's being spot on in your messaging. Yeah. It, it's, this is what we're going to talk about. doesn't matter what the interviewer wants to talk about. This is where we're going to end up. And I mean, women, I hope you guys, and guys, and you men folk, I hope you guys understand that's an art to be able to bring people back to where they want to go. So um, now I forget what I was going to ask you about messaging. Oh, so really, you're, you have the gift of seeing. Now, can you see, can you see their gift? Like if yeah, you're talking yeah. to somebody, can you, can you kind of look at, and re- look at their post and say, oh man, she would be so good at so it's not, I don't think it's as noticeable in one post, for example. Oh, exactly. And one, I, I should use social media. I should. No, no. Yeah. But I'll say in one conversation, yes. Like I recently had a client sign up to work with me. And when she came to me, she had planned on doing business around something totally different. And then when she came to me and we were just chatting, it was our first call um, before she signed up to work with me. And I asked her like two or three questions. I know what questions to ask to get the information. I was like, you would be amazing as a content strategist. And she was like, I've never thought of that. There's no way. And she was like, you know what, though? You're right. That does come naturally to me. It is something I feel really good about. And she did that. And as she bought into it, she actually just messaged me yesterday where she was like, I just signed on like four new clients and it was like so easy. And I was like, because you're embodying what you're good at. You're embodying the gift you have. And so the message correlates. It just works. Just like you were saying here, like all my conversations are going to go back to the same thing because I embody my message. It doesn't feel unnatural to me. It feels second nature. It feels like I could sit here and talk about it for years and I would never run out of things to talk about. So I always say that's one of the big key questions I ask people is what do you feel like the smartest person in the room about? What do you feel like you you sit there and you would Google search all night and never, never get bored of? That's usually where we are gearing towards our gifts. Even if it's not something you're doing right now, it's oftentimes that. But then out of conversation, I've learned to master the right questions that get the answers that really help me be able to see that. But I will say it takes me one or two calls and I can totally nail like this is what you would be great at what do you feel about this messaging around it and we like build on a proprietary methodology that feels like how did this even come up how did we even create something that you didn't ever existed before so how does someone work with you for for the various women and men that are sitting out there listening thinking you know I love doing this but I'm not you know making a lot of money and yeah. I mean, if you don't, and we'll talk about, in fact, right now, just give your um, social media post. I'm sorry, your social media handles. <laughs> 
So um, pretty much everywhere, it's Next Level Up CEO. So if you do on Instagram, on Facebook, you'll find me at Next Level Up CEO. Um, and yeah, the, I work with clients in both a group, high-touch group program and in a one-on-one capacity. I always tell people the best way to see if it's a good fit is I um, give given you a link to a free mini course, which is easyesleads.com. You can go there. You can binge watch um, some super short little trainings I have on my my proprietary method called the EZS system. Um, and then you can book a free pathway call. And I'm all about making sure it's an aligned fit for both of us and making sure that I feel like I can support you to create the, the life you want. Most people don't think they're ready because they don't have the confidence and they don't have the clarity around what it is. But it's once we have a conversation and we could turn that on, it's a whole, you can visualize a whole different life that you probably never saw before. Mm-hmm. So before we wrap up, what what is the last point you'd like to make? The last comment, the last thing that, gee, I wish the world knew. No pressure. This is not like my (laughs) ending piece I was not prepared for. I would just say, you know, at the end of the day, it's you hold control. You have the capacity to be able to create whatever life you want to create. And it doesn't matter what circumstances that you've come upon or how your life is is unfolding right now. We hold that. And I always tell people it's being able to recognize that we have something bigger and being able to be willing to say to ourselves, I have a gift and a talent, and I want to share that with more people and I want to change more lives that allows us to unlock and unfold this whole other life that we maybe didn't see before. And I always say, stop hiding those gifts and stop hiding behind the life that we think we need to have and start building the life you really do want. I love that. And that's a perfect place to end. For all of you that are looking to go your next level up, she is definitely one to check out on all of our social media handles. You will not regret it. She's an amazing, amazing coach and an even more amazing woman to get to know. So thank you you so much for being on the show. I look forward to talking to you offline as we always do. And y'all please check, give her a check out and let me know if you have any questions. Otherwise, here's to you finding your blue rose. Thanks guys. We, we are talking, so. <laughs> I feel like your ideal client is that person who maybe even is showing up confidently, like they're, they're, they're faking it, right? They're wearing the mask and everyone else around them might think they're confident, but deep down inside. So I think you have two versions of the same ideal client. I think you need to push away the ones who like never felt confident and they're like mooching off of you. I don't want you to bring those people in because I think that's going to always be you convincing them that they could be confident in the first place. So the two versions are the people who had the confidence and they've lost it and now they want it back. And version number two is the one who portrays confidence, but deep down inside, they don't feel it. They don't own it. They're just like putting on a mask and stepping inside of the, in front of the the mirror and saying, hi guys, how's it going? And then at the end of the day, they come home drained and broken because they've been putting on this mask the whole day. I think those are the two people that are like begging for, and they're not going to be people who comment on your content. They're going to be people who DM you. Just like I told you, my client, Abby, they're the people who secretly DM you and say, okay, tell me more because they don't want anyone else to know they're struggling. Yeah. And that, that can, and I'm, I'm blessed with that one piece is everybody knows that they talk to me. It goes nowhere. So, I mean, cause I, the, the, the longstanding joke has always been, if I ever have to have surgery, the secret service will have to be there to protect the secrets. 
because I mean, I've got so many secrets. I love it. You know, about corporates, everything. So, I mean, I do have that going for me that everybody knows that they don't. So. But I would say call both of those people out. So creating a, some content that speaks to the person who's hiding behind the fake confidence and, and call out the fake confidence. Like I see you over there going into your corporate career, putting the smile on your face, walking into the room like you don't care about anyone else around you. But I also see you coming home feeling broken, feeling like you don't know where that, I would have that conversation and lead them to that person say, DM me if you want to learn how we can, not only shine the confidence within out on the outside, but on the inside too. And then I think the other version is more open to like engaging with your content and like talking and, and doing all that. But I think you're going to have a lot of those people who don't want to say anything in front of the rest of the world. They just want to talk to you and talk about it. And, and that's why I struggle on my group because I, because I've asked a couple of them, why don't you ever say anything? And it's like, no, we know everybody in your group. We don't want people to know. Say, move it to the DMs and make it something. And and the other thing I like to say is these kind of people don't want to suffer. They don't want to sit in their suffering. They're not, they're confident. They're not the type of people who want to sit in their suffering. They want to sit in the next thing of like, so help them be able to uh, brag about themselves, give them the opportunity to brag about themselves and they'll engage that way. Oh, I love it. Well, thank you. I wasn't even trying to get coaching, but thank you. Because I was going to ask you about a one-on-one because I think I need a one. I I, I like the group format, but it did get, I'm going to say Ming's a little draining. Yeah. <laughs> it was draining for me if it made you feel any better. By the end, I was like, this isn't going anywhere. I don't know what to do. <laughs> well, I can't do it. And I didn't because I, you know, I have too much testosterone. I went, at one point, I was just like, you know what? Stop the circle talk. Yeah. So dependent. And until, and that's why the last time I talked, I felt bad because I kind of snapped at her. I was like, what do you mean you're going to take responsibility? Bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not taking responsibility. I know. No. Oh, well, anyway. So um, I was going to ask you about a one-on-one getting back to that. Cause I, oh, I'm yeah. trying to, because I think shadow, I love shadows, but I can't use the word shadow. So I think it freaks everybody out. <laughs> that's what I was telling you from the beginning where I'm like, yeah. shadow sounds great, but... I would be like, I don't want to do shadow work. Everything about shadow, it seems, it's like scary movies. Why would anyone want to work on that? Well, and the reason, I, one of the girlfriends that I just helped, and she's just a good friend, so I, I helped her. Um, she went to, to Debbie Ford's actual shadow thing. Wow. So she actually taught by Debbie Ford. And she was telling me how amazing and all it is. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, I'm sitting there thinking, well, then why are you talking to me? And so, and so I asked her, I said, but, you know, if you already went to her and you know how to do shadow work, why are you talking? She doesn't know how to apply it. Yeah. That, and that's what, that's my big thing now is, you know, when it comes to my easy as yes, because I have yep. that all figured out is everybody wants to change. They just don't know how to do it. Yep. That's, they need the application and that's you. That's it. Okay. So let's chat more later. I have to hop off and hop on another call, but this was amazing. Thank you so much. Can't wait to see it come out. I'll let you know when it goes out. Um, if you want to listen to it ahead of time, let me know. Otherwise it'll probably get posted on Tuesday. I'll let you look at the write up and everything just to make sure everything's especially you, you're so focused in. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Bye. Bye.